Oh, and on Fridays we wear black. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. Oh, hey, everybody. Oh, hey. We're back. So I didn't realize you were starting. I was grunting to get my wine. It's all right. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So Palmer's not here. Thank God. Right? We finally get to do a movie that we've wanted to do forever Mm -hmm. that Palmer refuses to watch. No, if Palmer was here, we would have been doing Friday the 13th. Yes. So... fuck him. When this episode comes out, it is Friday the 13th, and originally we were going to do the 2009 remake, uh, but... It feels weird doing a Friday the 13th movie if Palmer's not here. It absolutely does. He's the only one of us that actually likes those movies. super fanboy. Yeah, super fanboy. So, uh, Alex and I did a little bit of executive decision making. Mm -hmm. And we're bringing back Women's History Month. And this month, uh, well, this week, we've got something a little special for you. Uh, But we'll get to that in a little while. Um, How you doing, Alex? I'm good. Yeah? It's, It's, you know... Daylight savings time. Springing forward. I am digging it. It's not dark out. It's not. Well, it is in the morning when it you get up. It is in the morning, but it's so nice coming home from work and it not being dark. Yeah. And I'm feeling that. It's it's a lot a lot nicer that way. The flowers are in bloom. <laughs> I don't know. I got to dust off my barbecue. You got to dust off everything. I got to dust off everything. I got to... How you doing? You were sick, huh? I was I was super sick last week, so we didn't have an episode last week because Palmer got stuck at work until like midnight, and I came down with what was supposedly just a sinus infection, mm-hmm. but turned into like flu like like really bad flu like symptoms and knocked me out for a couple of days. Did um, they test you for coronavirus? No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. And like that's the whole thing going through my head is just like if somebody shows up. Would you test them for this if, like, they're reporting these symptoms? But I don't even think they have the kits available to do it if they wanted to. I think what the the standard guidelines are for right now is you only are able to get tested if you have been to a country that's, like, a level two or three. Or if you've come in direct contact with someone that that has been diagnosed diagnosed with with, uh, COVID-19. Okay. Well, it's fucking everywhere now, so... (laughs) Um, good luck not coming into contact with them. Uh, so wash your hands. Were people not doing this before? They keep saying, wash your hands, wash your hands. I'm sorry. Were people not washing their hands? Probably not. Ew. I mean, like, I wasn't always the best about it. But like every time you go to the bathroom, like before you eat, like these are times when you're washing your hands. I don't think I would do it before I eat. Oh, really? Ordinarily. Um, but I think also the big thing is just like. It's not just, like, put your hands under a water faucet mm. and rinse them for, like, five seconds. Or, like, don't just put soap on and, like, one, two, three, and rinse. No, you like, gotta, like, surgery prep. Actually wash washing. your hands. And, like... In between your fingers. In between your fingers, front and back of your hands. And, like, get some of your wrist. Oh, yeah. I'll go sometimes, if I'm wearing short sleeves, I'll go full, like, doctor prepping for surgery and do my forearms, too. Yeah. Um, why, why not? Yeah, so... As I'm still getting over whatever the fuck I have, 
uh, I might start coughing here and there. Okay. Uh, so I apologize if that happens. You are forgiven. But to give everybody a little taste of the movie that we've picked out this week, Alex brought along a special little gift that she's going to do. Uh, she already did it for one of my cats. <laughs> I did. Uh, my cat pulled two sevens. Two sevens, yeah. Which combined are her weight, so it makes sense. <laughs> Um, and pretty much what we discovered is my cat has uh, a very bad relationship with body positivity. She does. She has a lot of people telling her that she's fat. Yeah. And she's taking it to heart. She is. But soon she's going to make a decision to get off her ass and, yeah. and lose that weight. Yes. She's going to do her best. <laughs> um, I will believe it when I see it. Um, <laughs> We're all very proud of her. Yeah. I think I just need to scatter some bottle caps on the floor. She loves playing with bottle caps. There you go. Um, and... Do you remember the cards that you drew for yourself? Um, not the actual cards, no. But I remember the general theme. So we have uh, we're doing tarot card readings. Yes. And I we're, we're getting a little witchy. We're getting a little witchy with it, and I apologize for any actual Wiccans or um, you know, pagans who <laughs> I'm doing my best. This yeah. is more just a party trick. Yeah. But no, apparently I was emotionally stunted <laughs> in my past and over emotional, and currently I'm working through some shit. That I haven't dealt with yet, but in my future, um, things are turning. Yeah, you're gonna have come a, to some sort of spiritual. You're realization. gonna have a great success in the great, future. Great success. Great success. <laughs> All right, so uh, we were saving mine for when we started recording. Yes. So my cards. All right. So I'm just gonna give them a little shuffle. All right. And I'm gonna pass them to you, and you also give them a shuffle. Okay. And that's just kind of moving them around in your hands, however it feels right for you. Okay. And then I'm going to get you to, um, with your left hand, divide them into three piles. With my left hand? Yes. Okay. And while you're doing this, kind of think of, I don't know, a question or something that needs clarity. Okay. It's not going to give you, you know, tarot cards are not going to tell you your future, but they'll sort of put you on the right path. Okay. So, you know. So shuffle them however shuffle I Shuffle them want. however you want and thinking with purpose, okay. with intent. Now... Am I thinking about things specific to me, or can I think about, like, a global thing? You can think of a global thing if you want, but it probably won't read as well. Okay. It, it's better if it's connected to you. Got it. Okay. So he's shuffling the cards right now. He's thinking very intently. Oh, he's got a little bit like a like a poker shuffle going on. I don't know how else to shuffle that's cards. A, no, that's all right. Okay. All right. Okay. And then what do I do with my left then, hand? So put it down. Okay. And then with your left hand, break it into three piles. And so what we're going to do is like a very basic uh, three-card draw or three-card reading, and it's past, present, and future. All right. So here we go. So the first, that's my past pile. Yes. So okay. furthest left is past, in the middle is present, and on the far right is future. All right. Let's 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 give you a little bit of space here to work with. Okay. 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 So your first card past is the four of wands. Okay. Um, the Four of Wands is very uh, closely associated with home. So um, it also says that maybe the Four of Wands tell you tells you that you in your past have just done sort of like a rapid growth period. Um, you've accomplished a lot. Maybe they also suggested maybe you bought a new house. Maybe you've um, done something like with your family, uh, things that are, you know, close to the home. And you've celebrated... Um, you know, something big, but you took a time to pause. Okay. So, there's that. 
<laughs> All right. The Ace of Wands, another wand card. So this one was upside down, so it's the reverse. And that means something different than if, if it was facing um, uprights. The Ace of Wands reverse suggests that um, presently you can sense an idea emerging from within but are uncertain of what form it will take or how it will manifest in the world. You have energy and passion, but you do not yet have a clear outlet on how to express that. Do I know what my idea is? I think so. Okay. Um, it, it also says that you might be very frustrated that it's taking so long for it to happen. Okay. But that's good. The key here is kind of like not now, but soon. Okay. Um, you have to be patient. So you had a, in the past, you had a period of growth, maybe to do with your family or your home or yeah. your, you know something like that. And that was well and wonderful. And you had a sort of a time to you know recoup. But now you're feeling like you need to get going again, but you're not quite ready to do that yet okay in whatever it is that you're you know questioning um and then your last card the future is the star but it is also reversed so in the the future you're going to have some sort of test of faith (laughs) uh when confronted with a challenging situation you can either crumble like the tower which I, i guess there's a tower on this um or stand firm in your conviction you will also learn not only to trust the universe, but yourself. I mean, I, I already kind of trust myself. I don't trust the universe one bit. No, but. that's true, right? <laughs> so so but I guess what it's saying, I mean, I'm having a little bit of a hard time with the, with the past card. But with the, the, the present and, and, and future, it seems like you have a lot of ideas going on, but you're not really sure when to take the jump. But soon you're going to have to kind of stand in your convictions and make the right decision. Okay. All right. So that's that's going to be what you know, better than expected. Yeah, that's not bad at all. You know, I found it wasn't the, just three straight death cards in a row. You know, actually, the death. But card, I've heard the death card's not bad. The de- there's most cards in in the in the deck are not bad. There are no bad cards. Okay. There are just cards that you you have to work a little harder with when you get them. Gotcha. Okay. But so that seems like a pretty. Does that ring true to to your question, or what you were thinking? The first card made a lot of sense. Okay. I don't really have any any like, things that you're you're sort of. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't have any like internal in uncertainties, like, uncertainties, or like even grandiose plans. Mm-hmm. At least that I'm like aware of, consciously aware of. It yeah. might be subconsciously also. Yeah. So you sleep on that. All right. <laughs> All right. I will. Uh, how about we jump into some news for a little bit? All right, so a handful of things this week. Uh, we're going to start off with something a little different. Uh, a few weeks back, we were granted a review key to take a look into a retro nightmare of a video game. Um, and since I seem to be the only one with either the interest or the time to do it, I took a few cracks at this weird little gem. World of Horror is the unsettling cosmic horror retro RPG from, and I'm going to get these names horribly wrong, developer <laughs> Panstaz. And publisher uh, Wybird Games. It's Y-S-B-R-Y-D. It's available on (laughs) Steam, Early Access, and Xbox Game Pass for PC. Um, And it's designed with nightmares inspired by Junji Ito and HP Lovecraft. Mm. 
Ding. Ding. Uh, <laughs> the old gods have come, and a quiet Japanese fishing village is losing its grip on reality. Random encounters and dreadful events make every step through this roguelite journey thrilling and unpredictable. Manage your sanity and stamina, cast ritualistic spells, and raise makeshift weapons against grotesque, unsettling entities beyond our comprehension. Uh, direct from the press release, From another dimension, the old gods have come. In hospitals, abandoned classrooms, quiet apartments, and dark forests. Strange appearances and unexplainable phenomena test the sanity of the town's residents. Is it retribution, pure chaos, or the unknowable machinations of beings beyond our comprehension? Choose from five characters and solve over ten mysteries in early access. Each perplexing case unravels into a series of random encounters with nightmarish figures inspired by the works of horror legends Junji Ito and H.P. Lovecraft. Ding. Invoke dark rituals, cast life-prolonging spells, and scavenge for makeshift weapons and other items crucial to survival. Find creative ways to restore and maintain strength, sanity, and other stats. Each grotesque foe comes with physical dangers, psychological torment, and a chance of debilitating effects or outright death. Horrors are plentiful as they are unpredictable, with each playthrough unlocking new possible events and encounters for the next attempt. Every mystery harbors multiple endings for those that can survive that long. The writing talents of critically acclaimed horror novelist Cassandra Kaw complement the haunting vision of developer Panstaz as they bring disturbing sights to literary life. Fuzzy lo-fi chiptunes and a chilling one-bit art style drawn entirely in Microsoft Paint evoke the hazy, unsettling nostalgia of late 80s computing where imagination, the most terrifying force of all, fills in the gaps. (coughs) So... I did six or seven playthroughs of this game, uh, starting with the basic easy one and g- progressing to the second playthrough, which gives you, uh, I believe, five mysteries to try to solve. <clears throat> okay. Uh, the first playthrough is one mystery. Uh, what and kind of mysteries are they? So the first one I'm going to sound like I play video games. Yeah, Tell me the, about the mysteries. The, the first one is called, if I remember correctly, The Woman with the Scissors. Ooh, okay. Um... And it takes place in your high school, and you have to find uh, a bunch of items to cast a... a, Well, first you learn about kind of who this person is, Uh where they came from, how it happened. And then you have to find, like, a candle and a ritual book and something else to cast the ritual to summon her, and then Mm -hmm. you have to defeat her and send her back. Okay. Um, The second playthrough, I never made it past the second... Mystery. So I started with the one I knew. I started. So the, the second playthrough, uh, you have the the woman with the scissors, and then four additional mysteries. And I tried to uh, kind of go in the same order each time, and I never made it past the second one. So maybe I'm just really bad at this. Maybe you're just not very good at video games. I'm really not. <laughs> um, so the first the first playthrough is recommended for anybody who hasn't played the game. A lot of the actions and elements are kind of cut out, so mm-hmm. it's a, a very streamlined experience. It takes about 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Uh, so the first playthrough, you go through real fast. Um, after that, all bets are off. The world opens up, and you can choose from up to the 10 mysteries if you play the third playthrough. And you can, you can choose one, two, or three. You don't have to go through sequentially. Oh, uh, okay. Um, you just kind of learn more about how the game works if you kind of take baby steps. Um, I apparently didn't learn jack shit. <laughs> um, so you, uh, all your stats, items, weapons, and friends that you make along the way carry out th- uh, carry throughout the mysteries within each playthrough. Uh, but if you die, you start all over. 
Um, so my general important takeaways, uh, it's a full retro throwback to text adventure games from the late 80s and early 90s with great artwork displaying a wide array of enemies ranging from the weird and creepy to downright Lovecraftian nightmares. Ding! Ding. <coughs> um, the Woman with the Scissors, if I remember correctly. Um, so the game's black and white, and it actually, there's this really cool feature where you can kind of change your color palette. Okay. So it is uh, one bit or two bit based on the colors that you choose and kind of the settings you select. Okay. Uh, so I was playing in like this hot pink kind of like retro 80s aesthetic. Oh my God, you loved it. I, it was awesome. Um <laughs> To really complement this whole late 80s aesthetic, you've got a solid 8-bit soundtrack that when you uh, pair it with a good set of headphones and you turn all the lights off, uh, keeps you on edge and might actually make you lose your mind if you listen to it long enough, because it, <laughs> it is just a lot of loops and stuff. Okay. But it works really well with this. Um, the only immediate knock that I have on the game, and I've, I've, I've probably put in uh, like two or three hours, um, so not a ton of time in. Um, but the, the, the one big issue I have with it is um, it doesn't do a whole lot as far as explaining the user interface, which is mm-hmm. kind of clunky. Um, so the first playthrough, they, they, uh, they cut out a lot of like the options of things that you can do. And when they add them in in the second playthrough, there's not a lot kind of explaining what everything does. Okay. You kind of figure it out as you go. Which is which is kind of cool, um, you know. It it definitely helps the replayability of it. If you know, not only do you keep dying in the middle of your stories, mm-hmm. um, but you're dying because you're making the wrong decision or you're clicking on the wrong thing. Um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I I still keep playing games like Frostpunk that try to kill me at every turn. <laughs> um, but just something to keep in mind. Uh, the game is text based. Um, so it's really cool artwork, a lot of imagery, and to f- either get any like information as to what's going on or like what what you're encountering, um, or even the fights, it's all text based. Mm. Uh, it's a pretty casual game, and as it's an early access, I think it's being sold at a lower price than it will be once it's out. Uh, don't. Hold it's me on that one, though. right now. Yeah. Um, I feel like usually when games leave early access, the price goes up, so it might go up to like 20 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely going to stay in my usual rotation. Okay. Uh, I'm going to keep plugging away at it and see if I can at least get through the second story, mm-hmm. if not through the third. Uh, so if you got some time to spare and a little bit of cash, uh, throw these guys some of your money uh, and have yourself a weird little adventure. That sounds fun. It's a lot of fun. Um Really weird. And the, the artwork's great. It, it is very much like looking at like looking at anything that Lovecraft would do. Right. Uh, really cool stuff. Uh, some box office numbers just to keep Palmer happy that we at least talked about it. <laughs> the Invisible Man, a movie that we all thought kind of gave away everything in the trailers uh, and that we thought was pointless to see is apparently crushing it. <laughs> I know quite a lot of people who are not... Um... Like, specifically horror fans who have gone to see this movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think it kind of what crosses... Have, what was their takeaway from it? They liked it. They yeah. said it was kind of in the same vein as the um, Kevin Bacon one that we had discussed. Oh, Hollow Man? Several episodes ago. Okay. Yeah, Hollow Man. Uh, so this movie made somewhere between... Or cost somewhere between 7 and $10 million to make. 
and is now sitting at $98.3 million globally. Hot dang. Well on pace to crack $200 million. Lifetime. Uh, so this movie was part of the Universal Monsters group that got unceremoniously dumped fairly quickly. Yes, it did. Uh, but James Wan is now looking at another Universal Monster, supposedly working on a new Frankenstein take, and is claiming to want to tackle Dracula after that. That's interesting. Yeah. Dracula seems to be back in. There's that Netflix series about him, which is actually really good. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess BBC. Yes. Um, I think I think a more classic vampire look is com- ma- starting to make a comeback. Yeah. I You know, I don't... I've never been, like, really super into Dracula or, or vampires, really. So... But I'm, I would be excited to watch that. I, I... I only like my vampires to sparkle. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I... I took one class in college that you don't know what the actual subject is going to be until the first day. It's one of those, like, there's like 30 different slots you can sign up for and they're all the same name. Right. And the teacher sets a curriculum. Um, and it was all about vampires and I think that class killed it for me. But, uh, so after that, you did not like vampires. I was I was one hundred percent anti vampire. Really? Yeah. Wow, um, interesting. But the 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 reinvention of the classic vampire is starting to uh, pull me back in a little bit. I think something about the fact that most vampires are men. I don't. I can't relate to it too well. Yeah, I could see that. It just seems like you don't really see like a ton of female vampires out there. So you're a fan of Parker Posey in Blade Three. Yes. Okay. I'm a fan of Parker Posey and literally everything she's that she does. She's I great. want to be her best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be Parker Posey's best friend from um what's the one she's like, get on the floor, bitches. Oh, what out American Summer? No, 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 no. That's uh Days and Confused. Days and Confused, thank you. Air Raid. Air Raid <laughs> just worse people with mustard. <laughs> All right, next up, we're going to sprint through this one as fast as humanly possible. Okay. Uh, go, go, go! New Mutants, old movie, slated to finally see the light of day April 3rd with a long, <laughs> sordid history that's led us to quarantine this shit like it's the coronavirus itself. There's an update to it. We previously talked about how they were potentially doing reshoots, adding characters, and yada, yada, yada. Because people hated it. Because people hated it. Well, apparently, those people can go fuck themselves because this movie's going to be released for everyone to hate it. Apparently, according... To the director. Josh Boone. Josh Boone. Everybody said we did reshoots. We've never done a single reshoot. And I'll tell you this. If there hadn't been a merger, I'm sure we would have done reshoots the same way every movie does pickups. We didn't even do that because by the time the merger was done and everything was settled, everybody's older. And according to Maisie Williams, who stars as Wolfsbane in the movie, the movie is exactly the movie we set out to make. I was nervous when they were talking about reshooting or re-editing that it was going to be very different. But honestly, it's exactly what we set out to do. I don't know how much of a difference it makes, and I don't know how many people are going to see this movie. I know I will, just because at this point, I think I'm so invested in, like, wanting to see this fail. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about it for, like, ten years. Yeah. So they're so. saying that there was no reshoots, and they're just blaming this on the, what, Disney merger? I think so. Okay. I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, neither do I. Perhaps. Because I could have sworn they, like, added new characters. Yeah. And, like, did a second round of casting. And changing the whole theme of the movie. Remember making it, they had that whole thing that where they're hard like, we're going to make it darker yeah. and more creepy. Yeah, so I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I feel I, like he's just feeling like the effects of his pride are probably hurting a little bit. Yeah. And he's changing his story. Yeah. Which is fair. He wouldn't be the first director to lie about how and, and how long it took That's a movie true. to be made. 
Um, so if anybody sees this and they want to see the Josh Boone cut, apparently what we're seeing in theaters is the Josh Boone cut. Um, if the movie sucks, then you can ask for the real Josh Boone cut, which is the one the studios made him reshoot. That he won't <laughs> I want to see, see that one. <laughs> uh, next, we got a couple of trailers this week. Uh, so Quiet Place 2. We got some breaking news this morning, actually, uh, that John Krasinski has confirmed the worldwide delay of A Quiet Place Part 2. This comes on the heels of the expected March 20th release date, which would have made it next week, along with a double feature screening at many theaters that would have taken place next Wednesday on the 18th. Uh, so we'll let you know as soon as we have word of the new release date. But in the meantime, there's a new featurette available online uh, regarding Killian Murphy's character, Emmett. Um, I've always been a big fan of Killian Murphy. Me too. It's very weird. I actually didn't realize that he was in this movie. And seeing him with like a full bushy beard mm-hmm. made me still not even realize that was him. Because I don't think I've ever seen him not showing his like his crazy, crazy angular face and jawline. Yeah. He definitely has a look to him. Yeah. Um, I feel like one time we were trying to pick our own casting for a movie, and I picked him for something, and I thought it was perfect, but I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. Yeah. um, I feel like he fits really well into the whole horror zeitgeist. Oh, absolutely. I think he also uh, is somewhat pigeonholed into his roles, just kind of the way he looks. Um, Adding the beard might help that. I don't know. Um, it's, he usually plays a bad guy. I was going to say, is he playing a good guy in this movie? So they're trying to keep that under wraps as much as possible. Uh-huh. It doesn't seem like it. Uh-huh. So the featurette is, you know, a couple of clips of scenes here and there with him in it, along with, you know, John Krasinski and some other people kind of talking about working with him. And, uh, the whole idea is that he's lost everything and is pretty much a recluse and doesn't trust anybody. Right. Um, I think in the original trailer that came out for it, uh, he's the person with the shotgun that's when right. they show up to the door. And he t- like he lives in that like compound that's all like protected with the shit that makes noise. Um, yeah. I'm th- getting a lot of Walking Dead vibes from the second one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I think like and I, I think he definitely if we're comparing this to The Walking Dead, I think he fits into one of those groups that's like you don't want to come across these people. No, but he's by himself, though. Or he appears to be. He appears to be. But he probably is not. Yeah. Uh, We also get a really good look at the very end of the featurette uh, as one of the monsters as they rip into the car that they're driving away in, Um, which I don't mind because they've already revealed the monsters in the first movie. So I think that's a nice touch. Um, I think we're going to get to see a lot more of the monsters in this movie, which I think is really cool. Um, And they've also had more time to think about what they really look like in detail. So that's good, too. mm -hmm. Um, also, we got a trailer for this new movie, uh, called The Platform. (laughs) So, coming out of Spain, because most great horror that's come out in the last year or so has not come from the U.S., but that might be on a, uh, changing note, uh, is gonna get a nice little shot. Uh, so Spain is releasing The Platform, which Netflix picked up the rights for, uh, which is drawing comparisons to Us and Parasite as far as its social commentary goes. The platform is a twisted social allegory about mankind at its darkest and hungriest, according to the Netflix description. Uh, And the trailer available online does tend to back this up a little bit. Uh, It won all sorts of awards at Toronto International Film Fest, Fantastic Fest, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, so forgive me. It's a a Spanish film festival called Sieges, I believe is what it is. It's S-I-T-G-E-S. It's named after the town there. That it takes place in. That sounds right to me. Sure. <laughs> um, 
It looks a lot like if you took Snowpiercer and instead of it being on a train, it's like a prison that's mm-hmm. vertical and a platform of food just kind of goes from the top to the bottom. And that's what it is, right? So the food the people at the, the top, top get to eat whatever they want or take what I, I guess you can just take it if okay. you want. You don't necessarily have to eat it right then and there. And then it goes down levels and then consecutively all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. Where there's obviously never anything left for yeah. anyone else. Uh, is this an allegory for trickle-down economics, Sam? Uh, sure <laughs> might be. Uh, that's what it looks like. But um, I'm actually really... I'm strangely excited about this, um, considering it's showing up on Netflix. But I think I might be really excited about it because Netflix didn't make it. No. They just got the rights to it, mm-hmm. which I think gives it a little bit of extra credibility. Right. And there's that one scene in the trailer that's quite graphic where that guy hangs himself and jumps down God knows how many stories. I didn't realize he hung himself. I thought he like just jumped. No, I think he hung himself. Oh, shit. Okay. It looked very graphic. It yeah, was, this, this movie looks, looks pretty fucked up. Um, so this hits Netflix next Friday on the 20th, so I'll mention it again next week, and then I will watch it probably that night. Um, we got a, Palmer sent a couple of things over to us that we're going to talk about real quick. So, uh, Doug Bradley, he was going to, he was scheduled to have an appearance at the Days of the Dead in Las Vegas, March 20th through the 22nd. Uh, and what appears to be his Instagram, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has posted an apology saying, hi everyone. Very reluctantly, I've taken the decision to cancel my scheduled appearance at Days of the Dead. Uh, coronavirus, well, yes, to some extent, and I'll come back to that, but I do have other issues to consider at the moment, and to avoid any gossip, speculation, or rumor, you know, the stuff that happens to everybody all the time. Mm. Um, hearsay! Hearsay! Uh, I've decided to give you the plain, unvarnished truth. At the end of February, a routine colonoscopy revealed a large mass described as a likely malignant tumor. Two polyps were removed and biopsied benign, and a sample from this B-movie horror monster lurking up my butt <laughs> tested positive for high-grade displas- uh, dysplasic cells, which are defined as precancerous. Good news came with further blood work and a CT scan revealing my liver and kidneys are fine, and that if this is cancer, nothing's moved outside the colon. Whatever, the bastard's coming out, so in a couple of weeks' time, I'll be undergoing surgery, and I've met with the surgeon and his team. He seems to be approaching it as fairly routine, and the prognosis is very good. I can expect to be home within a week with follow-up CT scans and colonoscopies to make sure that all remains well. I'd add that I feel fine and have no other symptoms of anything. Pain, weight loss, etc. beyond what is politely referred to as a change in bowel habits. My first inclination was to go to Vegas, giving me a week afterwards to prepare for surgery, but with all the current advice being in the direction of avoid flights and close contact with large numbers of people, and knowing that if I did get so much as a slight cold at the moment, it'll result in surgery being delayed, I've decided to stay home. Nothing to say I won't get the damn thing here, but of course, with Vegas in mind, I'm happy to play the percentages in this particular crapshoot. He's got a really great way with words. He does. A final note. I am that lazy guy who doesn't go to the doctor unless something is wrong and never had any tests. Don't do like me. Mm. This probably grew from one of these polyps, and had it been caught earlier, I might not be where I am now. So, from 45 or 50 onwards, I urge regular testing for everyone. Apologies to everyone hoping to meet me in Vegas but I hope you will understand the reasons for my decision. The eldritch gods in their infinite wisdom have given me the unusual convention hiatus after this. Time to rest and recuperate, and I look forward to seeing many of you at Mad Monster Party in Phoenix in June and at many other shows throughout the rest of the year. Peace and pain, Doug. So, wash your hands and get your butthole checked. It's so true. You gotta go. Especially if you have colon cancer in your family, then you need to be going before you're 50. Yeah. See, I I always heard it was 40. 
Mm. I heard like I and maybe it's changed. I don't know. I always heard like if you're a dude and you turn forty, yeah, like your fortieth birthday, go for you, that. You make your appointment with your doctor. My father-in-law passed away from colon cancer and he didn't catch it till it was too late. Really, gotta go get those butts checked. Yeah, get your butthole checked and wash your hands. It's, it, especially if you're doing it yourself, <laughs> wash your hands before and after. And after. Uh, and maybe during. <laughs> yeah, and maybe during. Uh, this little one, this next little bit from Palmer, uh, I'm just going to throw this in there because it loosely ties into what we're talking about. Okay. Uh, Scream 5 is apparently in development um, and targeted to begin filming in May. Ready or Not directors Matt Bettinelli, Olpen, and Tyler Gillett will be helming the film. Chad Vieira and original screenwriter Kevin Williamson will executive produce. Um, so he thought we'd be all on board with this. Yeah. So, well, specifically me. So I said I didn't really give a shit uh, calling it a big who cares burger. Um, <laughs> and Palmer says, I want to marry them. I want to have them hold me at night. And the last part, which is actually kind of true. I want them to cradle me in their arms while I weep because I've never felt so secure. Number one and two. Yeah. Not number three, four and five. Oh, I thought you were talking about his bullet points. Yes, I agree with you. Oh, <laughs> number sorry, one, no. number one, absolutely. Number two, sure, I'll take it. Three was bad, and four was completely unnecessary. Um, this movie uh, has very few plot details released so far, but says it will follow a woman returning to her hometown to try and find who has been committing a series of vicious crimes. It is currently unknown if the story is going to follow the past four Scream films or pave a new direction for the franchise. That is one of the vaguest descriptions. Isn't it? Someone's returning to their hometown to find out who's committing murder. <gasps> oh my god, it could be anything in anybody in any town anywhere. It doesn't even mention if it's going to be Ghostface. I would, I mean, it would have to be. It would have to be. You I, can't call it Scream if it's not Ghostface. Maybe they feel right? like they don't need to mention it because it's assumed, but yeah. imagine it's just a completely different mask. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> like, like just a butthole mask. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a coronavirus. <laughs> That's all that's killing everybody in this town. There you go. Uh, so to end the news this week on a bit of a downer note, a couple of obituaries. Uh, Max von Sydow, best known to horror fans as Father Lancaster Marin in mm. The Exorcist, passed away. Uh, he's a legendary actor racking up two Oscar nominations as well as over 150 acting credits through his long career. He passed away Sunday, March 8th in his home in Provence, France at the age of 90. Often collaborating with Ingmar Bergman early in his career, he got two Oscar nominations for Pell the Conqueror in 1989 as Best Actor in a Leading Role and Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close in 2012 as Best Actor in a Supporting Role. But his most iconic performance was in The Exorcist. Uh, as one of the most iconic characters in the history of the genre, earning him a Golden Globe nomination in 1974. Uh, he also, and I didn't know this one, uh voiced Vigo the Carpathian in Ghostbusters 2 and in the oh, Ghostbusters video game. Did not know. Yeah. Um, also, Nicholas Tucci passed away <clears throat> at the age of 38, known to horror fans for his roles in Your Next and Channel Zero, The Dream Door. Uh, he died of cancer, uh, much unknown mm. to just about anybody. Yeah. Um, his father came out uh, and made a statement saying, on Tuesday, March 3rd, Nick died at the Smilo Cancer Center in New Haven, Connecticut. He chose to keep his illness private so that he could continue to pursue his professional and artistic dreams for as long as possible. In the last year, he was able to audition, go on location, and continue the work he loves so much. To those of you in the film, television, and theater communities, thank you for guiding, encouraging, and supporting Nick. 
To those of you who enjoyed his work on the screen and stage, thank you for recognizing his talent and appreciating his efforts. And to all, thank you for your gift of friendship to my son. So, our deepest condolences to friends and family. Absolutely. Uh, it's never easy to lose uh, anybody as old or young. We got uh, kind of both extremes Both here. ends of the spectrum, yeah. yeah. Uh, so... That's it for the news this week, and now we're going to cover a little bit of the movies that you can see now that are either coming out or came out last week when we decided to bail on you. <laughs> All right, so the big thing this week, mm. hashtag free Betty finally came oh true. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited for this. I might actually double feature this with The Invisible Man. Okay. Big day at the movies for you. Yeah. Uh, the Hunt hits theaters on March 13th from Bloomhouse. Twelve strangers wake up in a clearing. They don't know where they are or how they got there. They don't know they've been chosen for a very specific purpose. The Hunt. In the shadow of a dark internet conspiracy theory, a group of elites gather for the very first time at a remote manor house to hunt humans for sport. But the Elite's master plan is about to be derailed because one of the hunted, Crystal, played by Betty Gilpin, mm. knows the hunter's game better than they do. And she turns the tables on the killers, picking them off one by one as she makes her way towards the mysterious woman at the center of it all, played by, strangely enough, two-time Oscar winner, <laughs> Hilary Swank. Motherfucking Hilary Swank. I didn't know she was a two-time Oscar winner. So she won for a Million Dollar Baby and then Boys Don't Cry, right? I think A new Million Dollar Baby. I would. Just, I don't know for sure that it's Boys Don't Cry, but I'm sure that's what it is. I think that's when she won her first Oscar. Okay. Why do I know that? I don't know. <laughs> Big Hilary Swank fan? Apparently. So I do like that the uh, the new movie poster for this says something about how this is like the most talked about movie that no one's ever seen. Oh, yeah. That no one's seen yet. Like... <laughs> The marketing couldn't be better for this, considering all of the flack this caught and that it had to get shelved and everything. It reminds me a lot of that movie that Seth Rogen did, The Interview, oh, with James yeah. Franco. You know, I've still not seen that. You I know, heard it was actually pretty good. It's good. It, it's, it was, you know, it's a fine movie, but yeah. I think that the reason that so many people went to go watch it was because, was because of, of all of the drama that surrounded it. Yeah. Other, If it was just came out on its own, it would have been like a relatively mediocre movie. Yeah, that's not surprising. Part of me felt like everything for that was staged. Oh, I don't think it was, though. Really? No, I think it was legitimately a problem. They also had a real tiger on there, which was funny. Did they really? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I like that. I like that. It's on Netflix. We'll have to watch it at some point. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. Next up, we've got Beneath Us. Limited theatrical release, so it should still be in theaters, uh, I think, probably through the end of next week. Um, Came out last week on March 6th from New Mainstream Entertainment. The American dream becomes a nightmare for a group of undocumented day laborers hired by a wealthy couple played by Lynn Collins and James Tupper. What they hope to be their biggest payday turns into a terrifying fight for survival at the couple's secluded mansion, and those thought to be helpless must prove they can't be discarded so easily. A little bit thematic here. Uh Uh-huh, yep. And then the third one that we're going to talk about this week is Extraordinary, also a limited release from Cranked Up Films, also came out on March 6th. Rose, a mostly sweet and mostly lonely Irish small-town driving instructor, must use her supernatural talents to save the daughter of Martin, who's also mostly sweet and lonely, from a washed-up rock star who's using her in a satanic pact to reignite his fame. Is he not sweet and lonely? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. Satanists can be sweet and lonely. Yeah, but he's also a washed-up rock star. Oh, yeah. I'm less concerned about the Satanist part and just more concerned, like, I imagine he's just like Mick Jagger. 
Yeah. And like, you don't want your daughter hanging out with Mick Jagger. Mm-hmm. I don't care how old he is. Oh, no, definitely not. Yeah. I think I mean, I'd actually be less comfortable with like, if I had a daughter, her hanging out with like current Mick Jagger than like Mick Jagger from like 40 years ago. Right. I can see that. Yeah. That, that makes me a little bit nervous. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff that hit VOD this week, but nothing major. Uh, if you guys are interested, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. I can send you anything and everything you need and send you in all the right directions. But that's it for this week. So now it's time for Alex and I to wax poetic about everything, (laughs) everything that made it so important growing up in the mid-90s. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's main event. All right, so this week we are talking about a movie where a bunch of 20 and 30-year-old high school schoolgirls are real mean to a new girl that shows up, only to adopt her into their collective, jot things down in their own little burn book, and get a little overzealous with what could be scented candles, and on every day they wear black. Welcome to high school where these girls are the weirdos and we're all obsessed with them. (laughs) We're talking about the craft. Oh my gosh, finally. Finally. Came out in 1996, directed by Andrew Fleming, produced by Douglas Wick, written by Andrew Fleming and Peter Filardi, and starring Robin Tunney, Tooney? Tooney. Tooney, as Sarah Bailey, Feruza Balk as Nancy Downs, Nev Campbell as Bonnie Harper, Rachel True as Rochelle Zimmerman, Skeet Ulrich as Chris Hooker, Cliff DeYoung as Mr. Bailey, Christine Taylor as Laura Lizzie, Breckenmeyer as Mitt, Motherfucking Breckenmeyer. <laughs> Nathaniel Marston as Trey. Helen Shaver as Grace Downs. Assumpta Cerna as Lirio. William Newman as the street preacher. And Brenda Strong as the doctor. Before we had Sidney Prescott. Before we had Feruza Balk as a Nazi. Before we had Dave Chappelle giving up weed for Rachel True and Half Baked. Before Bloomhouse even existed with the sole purpose of recreating this movie. And before Breckenmeyer turned into whatever the fuck Breckenmeyer turned into, we had The Craft. The premise behind this movie's creation is simple. Producer Douglas Wick and writer Peter Filardi wanted to create a film about the high school experience blended with a little bit of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Because why not? This was the same year that saw the debut of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, as well as the adaptation of The Crucible. Witches were in vogue, and it wasn't long after this that Buffy the Vampire Slayer also dabbled in magic with Willow. The seemingly basic principal idea led to a movie that seemed strangely ahead of its time when viewed through the modern lens, eschewing the light-hearted Sabrina view of witchcraft by coupling it with commentary on bullying, racism, poverty, body issues, abuse, suicide, and sexual assault. So really just the whole shebang. All the things. It's very, very intersectional. Yeah, everything you could possibly think of happening in high school happens in this movie. Back to the soundtrack that not only fits the era it was made, but also manages to fit the themes the movie portrays, we get songs from groups like Letter to Cleo, Jewel, Space Hog, a Peter Gabriel cover by Heather Nova, Susie and the Banshees, Portishead, and more. The Smiths song, How Soon Is Now, is, uh, which was covered by Love Spit Love that plays in this movie, was then used as a theme song for a television show about, which is called Charmed. Such a ripoff. Casting took about nine months with everyone, from Angelina Jolie to Alicia Silverstone auditioning, and Robin Tooney auditioned originally for the role of Bonnie. She had to wear a wig as she had just recently finished Empire Records in which she famously went full G.I. Jane and shaved her head, shocking everyone with her devious behavior. Mm. 
Oh, Robin Tooney. Oh, Robin Tooney. A badass even before. So I actually just learned that that was the same person. I, <laughs> I did not actually realize until this week that that was the same person. And I watched Empire Records last... Uh, I was going to say, didn't you just two watch weeks it like ago, two weeks ago? <laughs> uh, when I was out in Vegas. Um, so, this movie... Sarah Bailey, a troubled teenage girl who has previously attempted suicide, has just moved from San Francisco to L.A. with her father and stepmother. Enrolling in a local Catholic high school, she has trouble fitting in. And during French class, her classmate, Bonnie, witnesses her telekinetically causing a pencil to rotate while standing on its tip. Mm. You know Mm. how they did that? Hmm. They just put a little metal rod under the desk and had someone spin it. Really? (laughs) Yes. That was it? That was it. Love it. Practical effects are the best. I remember trying to do that as a... As a teenager. I'm pretty sure I did, too. I'm like, I can, maybe if I like look at it hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, this isn't Jedi mind power. This is witchcraft. This <laughs> I is was witchcraft, trying to use bitch. the Force, not the wit- <laughs> not, not witchcraft. Uh, during lunch, Sarah is hit on by Chris, the school's football star, uh, who, when we see play football later, doesn't look like much of a star. And also, his last name is Hooker. Can we just talk about that for a second? I feel like <laughs> really getting a, the, the sense of a character by his name. I mean, the actor's real first name is Skeet. It's true. Did Skeet really mean what Skeet meant then? No, I don't think that was until much later when Lil John kind of reinvented that the word. early two thousands. Yeah, but Skeet Hooker, that would be hilarious. Skeet Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she asks Bonnie and her two friends Nancy and Rochelle about uh, Chris. Chris tells Sarah to stay away from the trio because they're witches. Oh God. <laughs> Bonnie tells Nancy and Rochelle that Sarah is the fourth who will complete their circle and make it a full coven because you can't call the four corners with just three fucking people. Uh, the three girls each have their own issues. Nancy lives in a trailer with her mom and abusive stepfather and is pretty poor. Bonnie has massive burn scars all over her back and the painful treatment recommended by the surgeon is likely to fail. And insecure athlete Rochelle is subjected to racist taunts by the most popular girl in school, blonde Laura Lizzie. Who's it's so by hard Christine to see Taylor. Laura Lizzie be played like playing a dick character. <laughs> it's very weird. Because like I know, and she's like not even hiding it. Like she, no. she's not just being an asshole. Like the word "negroid" comes out of her mouth, which is a very weird word it, it, to right? say in the first place. Yeah, but uh. <laughs> I feel like that was kind of maybe their attempt to be super fucking racist without dropping an N-bomb. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like a... And it's just like the wealthy to-do, like very well-to-do, but polite society way. Right. Of these rich Catholic schoolgirls saying black person. But it's like, oh, it's so cringy. I hate it. It's awful. It made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. (laughs) Um... After school, the three girls befriend Sarah and take her to an occult shop. Uh, this is after they find her watching Chris play uh, mediocre football, where he's just running next to the guy who's actually catching the ball. Right. And they warn her about him. They yeah. say that he spreads disease. He spreads disease. And Nancy knows yeah. um, first person. Yeah. Uh, the owner, Lirio, comments that Sarah is not like the other girls and says to her, maybe you are a natural witch. Your power comes from within. It was inside you all along. <laughs> While leaving the shop, Sarah's harassed by a vagrant, and all four girls simultaneously will for something to happen, Who, uh, and this then causes him to get hit by a car. And he, just, he dies. He dies. I'm pretty sure he dies. That car ran over him, like, pretty hard. Oh, yeah. That dude's fucked. There was lots of rolling. Yeah, that dude's fucked. And uh, don't call the cops. They just fuck off. 
So was that the same homeless guy though? Because he, she had seen him, she being Sarah. When they first moved into when they the first house, moved in, he yeah. brought his pet snake in there. Yeah, same guy. So he's just like all over Los Angeles. Yeah. Just being creepy. I wonder if he's just like hanging out outside the school. Like if he specifically like, maybe he was squatting in that house because that house was kind of falling apart. Yes, it was when they moved in. Uh, and so I'm guessing he got kicked out and he was kind of pissed about it. Mm. And so maybe he's just following her around town. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, the girls run off and Nancy's thrilled at their connection. Nancy tells Sarah about invoking the spirit, Manon, which is their ultimate goal as a coven. Sarah leaves the girls to meet Chris, but refuses to have sex with him. However, at school the next day, Sarah discovers that Chris has told everybody that they slept together. Mm, and that she was a shit lay. Yeah, she was a bad lay. The worst he's ever had. Ooh. Sounds and coming like, from him, that does not sound good. Yeah. Well, considering they didn't fuck, I'm pretty sure this guy hasn't fucked anybody. Um, well, he fucked Nancy. We don't actually know that until later in the movie. Like, we... Like, we we know it. She says it. Right. But considering he's going around telling everybody, like, it's a very high school guy thing. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I nailed her last night. It was great. It was awesome. It was but awesome. She, but she sucked, though. We did all of the sex. All of the sex. <laughs> we did the 69. The we did the 71. <laughs> the 12. <laughs> it, and then just, the 11. Where just we everywhere. Just and then, there. And then just, like, my namesake, I just skeeted everywhere. <laughs> And she was Ulrich to death. <laughs> Nancy, Bonnie, and Rochelle comfort Sarah and invite her on a little field trip. They take the bus out to the country, and the bus driver tells them to be careful about those wicked boys. Don't watch out for those weird weird ones. The weirdos. Watch out for those weirdos. But they say, hey, mister, we are the weirdos. Love it. That's a fucking iconic line from that movie. It really is. It really just, for I think for all the people who watched this movie who enjoyed it, were probably a little bit... A little bit gothy, a little bit freaky. Oh, yeah. Not, you know what I mean? They love that. Everyone I know that loves this movie is either female yeah. or was a bit of an outcast. Absolutely. It's like the antithesis to like Clueless. Absolutely. Where a lot of people could not relate to that. I yeah. think a lot of people could relate to this. And that. But it was taking place in LA. Right? And that quote specifically, I feel like I probably wrote that on my binder like a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> While out in the countryside, they call the corners and cast some spells. Rochelle asks for the strength not to hate those who hate her. Sarah performs a love spell on Chris. Bonnie asks for beauty inside and out. And Nancy just wants the power of Manon. She wants to not be white trash anymore. Yeah. She wants to be not white trash. She doesn't want to be poor. She doesn't want her dickhead stepfather. Creepy, abusive stepfather. doing all that shit. She doesn't want to live in a trailer no more. Um, what was, what was that line she says? Yeah. So this this happens. Uh, we see Rochelle as a diver. That's uh, right. She's on the she's on the dive team, and uh, her her arch white nemesis screams shark while she's trying to dive into the pool, and mm-hmm. she does like this awful backflop that looks really painful. It does. And then she's making fun of her in the locker room, saying like, "Oh, I've got like a." A pubic hair in my brush mm-hmm. and no it's just one of Rochelle's nappy hairs yeah but she specifically called it nappy hair yeah and then turns uh, when Rochelle confronts her she says I don't like negroids yep so that's that's what she's trying to deal with that's that's what she wants to use her witchcraft to avoid just people stop treating her like shit that's fucking fair yeah it seems fair like none of none of these particularly seem well, outlandish aside from maybe Nancy's well um so what did Sarah say specifically? 
I don't remember exactly what she says. So I think the one thing, I mean, there's obviously like tons of tenets of, of, of you know, witchcraft and, and being a witch. It was something that, along the lines of like making Chris kind of her puppet. Right. And you're not supposed to change the free will of people. Yeah. Um, you're also not supposed to do harm onto others, but you know, yeah. I don't think that the other women were asking specifically for harm to others. Yeah. Whereas, but Sarah, who's supposed to be the natural good witch, that's true, is the only one who's kind of breaking the tenets and 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 making people go against their free will. Yeah, that's true. There I are lots of warning for love spells. I didn't think about that. Uh, shortly after the spells are cast, they show signs of working. Chris becomes infatuated with Sarah and goes after her constantly in spite of his friends, Mitt and Trey, taunting him about it. Uh, later, just, like, randomly showing up at her house at, like, 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and bad. not even with a boombox, like, say anything. No, just like just straight stage just, five clinger. Yeah, like, screaming at the window and shit. Uh, Bonnie's scars miraculously heal uh, despite the very rare and cutting-edge treatment that she's getting that looks incredibly painful. They're just, it kind of looks like a tattoo gun, but with no tat, like with no ink. And going a lot deeper into the skin. And going a lot skin. deeper, and this, the needles are a lot bigger. Yeah, like that shit looks awful. Um, the next time Laura bullies Rochelle, uh, all of Laura's hair begins falling out. Mm-hmm. That's one of the scenes that I remember the most from this movie, is her sitting in the shower. The shower. With like all of her hair falling out. And it's not just like you see like a bald skin cap underneath, like... It is fucking raw. Like, the skin is coming with it. Absolutely. And, like, and, that shit always stuck with me. And she just says, it just keeps falling out. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And you're like, Ugh. It's really sad. Is and it? like, I don't feel sorry for her literally at all. Like, she's a piece of shit. But, like, that looks fucking awful. Shave your head. Get over it. I mean, Robin Tooney did it. Hell yeah, she did. <laughs> um, at home, Nancy gets into a fight with her stepdad. And starts freaking out and screaming and causes the microwave to explode and all the light bulbs to explode. And Ray, her stepdad, suffers a massive heart attack and dies. Drops dead. Drops dead on the spot. Nancy and her mom are told by the insurance agent that they've, from this shitbox, abusive, most likely, and I'm not talking down about him at all, blue collar guy... How much did they get? One hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars insurance policy. One hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. One hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Nancy and her mom move into a very posh high-rise apartment, where the girls meet one night and learn disguise-changing magic called glimmer. I believe is glamour. What, glamour. Glamour. Uh, she's. Her mom's gotten, like, this weird sofa and a jukebox that only has Connie Francis songs on it. Yeah. Which is, like, strangely adorable. It is. Like, her dream as a little girl was to just one day own a jukebox with nothing but Connie Francis songs on it. I know this was 1996 when this movie came out, but all I could think of when they, what I assume is rented that high-rise apartment because there is absolutely no way you could buy yeah. that type of high-rise apartment in Los Angeles for $196,000. No, no fucking way. <laughs> like, I was, I just kept thinking, and I didn't do this as a as a teenager, but obviously as an adult, I was like, well, they're going to run out of money <laughs> <laughs> really quickly. The rent's probably exorbitant. Oh, I'm sure it was. <laughs> Which is probably why the only things in the apartment were that one were fucking couch, couch and the jukebox. <laughs> um... The four girls lock themselves in Nancy's room, ignoring Nancy's mom. 
who is then left empty and ignored once again, just as she felt before cashing in on all of the insurance money. But she has her wine and her Connie Francis. Yes, so I, I think she's well taken care of, at She'll least for fine. the time being. She doesn't have anyone fucking punching her, so... It's true. It's a step up. Yeah. Big step up. It's a glow up. It is a glow up. The girls go to Lirio's shop again, where Nancy finds a book about invoking this spirit. And later that night, they go to the beach and form a circle to call on Menon. At the culmination of the spell, Nancy is struck by lightning, and the next day, the rest of the girls witness Nancy walking on water, and the beach littered with dead sharks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and from this point on, Nancy's powers have increased tenfold. A um, little bit weird. About. So. What specifically? <laughs> like I know, I know Nancy was the one that specifically called on Manon's powers. Uh huh. But I'd imagine that if they're all doing it together, they're all getting a little bit of it. Right. Yeah, you would think so. But yeah. I guess if she was asking for it. <laughs> also, being struck by lightning while they're all holding hands and nobody's hurt. Yeah, it didn't come out their toes or anything. Yeah, nothing. Uh, what were the? I guess, I don't know if they're called icons or whatever. Oh, they're like, they're animals? Yeah. Okay, so Nancy had a snake. I remember one of them had a fish that looked like Nemo. Yeah. Um, so Nancy had a snake. Sarah had a lovebird. Okay. And then Rochelle had the fish. She's a swimmer. Okay. She's a swimmer. Sense. And I'm trying to think of what Bonnie had. And I cannot remember. So, what would your animal be? While, um, while we look up what while Bonnie we look, had. I don't even know what to Google to figure out what Bonnie's animal is. I want to say it was something like... So, she wanted to be beautiful inside and out. So, I feel like it was a guinea pig. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was thinking about this. And I've always really identified a lot with a spider. Okay. So I think there's kind of a few reasons for that. Uh, I think spiders in general are kind of more of a, like a feminine animal. They have a lot of feminine, like feminine energy to them, which I appreciate. I am a, I am a lady. <laughs> uh, they're also. Are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they're also super creative with their webs and beautiful. They make beautiful art. Um, they're also patient, receptive, and really self-sufficient creatures, which are characteristics that I identify with. So I might just have like a like a cool orb spider or something like that. Okay. What about you? What would you have in a jar? See, that's the part that I struggle the most with is I'm trying to, f- I've, I've been trying to figure out like what small portable. Oh, that's right. You do have to carry it with yeah, you. Yeah, like I can't just be like, well, I love bears and my favorite one's the Komodi bear. So I'm going to take a Komodi bear to the fucking beach with me. Right. Like, that's not happening. Um, I would probably say I'd probably say a chipmunk. Oh, cute! I, I like love, chipmunks. I love a chipmunk. Do you feel like you relate to a chipmunk? Well, I like nuts. Okay. Yeah. I enjoy. I think it's cool watching them like run around and like jump around on tree branches and everything and i really like their bushy tails okay i don't really know if i'd identify with a chipmunk but off the top of my head i i, I can't think of any animal smaller than like any, anything smaller than like a cat 
or dog or whatever that I would... I put a, a cat in a cage. It doesn't have to be in a jar. That's true. It has to be, you have to be able to carry it with you. So you can't have like an elephant, I guess. Yeah. But... Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've had a hard time trying to figure that one out. Okay, that's fair. Did we ever figure out what, what... No, and apparently... So this movie exists, you know, all these years later to the point where there is a wiki fandom about this movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, and even on the wiki fandom about Bonnie... Uh-huh. It doesn't say anything about the the animal she took with her. Well, God damn it. So I don't I don't know what she took with her. Oh, and I don't... shit. Bonnie was a butterfly. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah, because she wanted to kind of reject her scars and be beautiful, right? So she wanted to emerge from her cocoon mm. and and be coming out the other um the other end beautiful. And then Rochelle was a clownfish. I guess she was seen as a clown by her peers. Um, or that they're clowning on her. Or that they're clowning on her. Uh, Sarah was had the lovebird because she wanted Chris to love her, and then Nancy had a snake that. Because of course she fucking did. Well, I think also, and she said something about snakes in the beginning too, about how they're like complicated creatures. Yeah. I think they have a lot to do with like renewal and change. Yeah. And often misunderstood. Absolutely, and that's kind of like what I also appreciate about spiders. I feel like spiders are also quite misunderstood. I do like spiders. Spiders mm-hmm. are cool. I got my bathroom spider. Except for the fucking the the time right after I moved into the house, and apparently we had like an entire fucking colony of oh. black widows. Nope, 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 nope. And I was like, no, you can get rid of those motherfuckers. Yeah, no, I, don't, I like my bathroom spider. He can stay or she can stay, but. I do you have a bathroom spider currently? Yeah. I have I have a spider in like pretty much all my bathrooms. Do you have names for them? Mm-mm. Okay. Sometimes I do. This but time, you're like a cool roommate with them. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had one for a while because it's been winter and I don't know where they are. But uh, I'm sure yeah. in the spring we'll have another one. But they poke their head out, say, "Yo, what's up?" What's up? They eat all the bugs. I don't care. Yeah, they do. So later on, Rochelle sees uh, balding Laura in the locker room, hysterically sobbing after swim practice, uh, with two of her friends trying to offer some consolation to no avail. Rochelle starts to feel a little bit remorseful for the spell she cast, and when she looks in the mirror at herself, her reflection looks away. It does. Even her reflection don't want to... <laughs> it's like, yo, girl, you might have you overstepped a little bit. Like, she called you a negroid, and you made all of her fucking hair fall out. I think that's fair. I stand by my story. I think that's fair, too. And she talked about her hair. Yep. Yep. That, I mean... That nappy hair. She deserved it. This is how I... I feel like when I watched this movie as a teenager, I understood why she was starting to feel guilty but now i'm like fuck her yeah i i think i i think i'm with you i think i used to like Mm -hmm. relate more to that sense of guilt when Mm -hmm. i was younger and now i'm just like no that bitch had it coming and at that point too i don't know if if sarah had already gone to see the lady who owned that shop where they bought all their candles and spell books and stuff like that but the she had said like there's no way you can stop this yeah, like uh, what, just... what is it? What whatever you send out comes back threefold, right? Right, and that you know once you put a spell into the into the universe, like there's no way to stop it. You just have to let it take its course. Yeah. Well, shit's about to take its course with Sarah. <laughs> uh, she finally accepts to take uh, take Chris up on that dinner date, uh, but he takes her to the top of the hill to make out point. Ooh, make out point. <laughs> and attempts to rape her. Sarah runs away and <laughs> not as funny. On. Yeah, gets a lot less funny. It's no longer make out point. It's rape out point. Uh, Sarah runs away and knocks on Nancy's door, who leaves her home for a party that Chris is attending in order to punish him. I don't actually think that was Nancy's door. I'm pretty sure that was Bonnie's door. Was it Bonnie's or door? Rochelle's door. Okay. 
When she shows up to the party, she tries to seduce Chris by disguising herself as Sarah. When the real Sarah arrives as Nance as Nancy fake Sarah and Chris are starting to get it on, Nancy causes uh, Chris to fall out of a third story window. When he looks out the door and Sarah walks in, he's like, oh my God, and looks back. And you see Nancy on the bed under him instead of what Mm -hmm. appeared to be Sarah. And he freaks out, stands up. And she uses her newfound mind powers to shove him out a window. You hear a nice... uh, A thud. A nice thud when he hits the ground. And that scene, too, is where we find out that Nancy and um, Chris have definitely hooked up before. Yeah. And that she really wanted to kind of get that going again. But she was also really pissed. I think she just wanted to get back at him more than anything else. I think she did, too. Yeah, so she went out there for revenge. Like, she saw that one of her friends almost got raped, and she was fucking pissed. Yeah. But I think part of it, I, I don't think it was all just about, like, revenge for Sarah. I think she was... Mad about... I think she was trying to get back at him for herself, too. Well, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, he... He, he treats women like shit. He, does, he spreads disease, he and he's awful. a terrible person. And so she went out and fucking stood up for all of the women in the school who I'm sure think that Chris Hooker sucks. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Hooker is not a good guy. But he's dead, so who gives a shit? Nope, not me. So after all this, Sarah starts having nightmares concerning her old friends and feels like they're following her everywhere to torment her. Uh, she tries to stop Nancy, uh, who's become the leader of the remaining coven, by binding her powers so she won't be able to hurt either herself or anybody else. But this doesn't work, and the other three girls all hate her now. She is no longer in the circle of trust. Her name is written forever in the burn book. So, yes, yeah, so I was going to say, this is all very circling back to just very much like a high school thing. Yeah. Like, not only are they members of a coven together, but they're also girls in high school. Yeah. And now... Uh, Sarah's persona non grata. Yep. Uh, Nancy shows up telling Sarah that if a witch betrayed her coven, they would kill her. So needing some help. Seems a little extreme. A little extreme. I mean, excommunication doesn't require murder. You know, Shunning. Yeah, just shun them. It's fine. We're not going to talk to you. You, you. you look at us, we turn our backs to you. <laughs> Nobody's hurt. Shun. You don't exist. But I also don't know why witches did the things they did back in the day. I don't know why witches do the things they do, period. But that's because I'm not a witch. It would make a lot more sense if I was. I guess so. I'll go, I guess I'd be a warlock, right? No, you'd be or a witch, would, too. Would which, is, witch? which is, I think warlock's actually considered kind of a derogatory term. Oh, uh, okay. According to the uh, Chilling Tales of Sabrina, warlocks are boys and witches are girls. Yeah, no, I think in normal, you know. Typical parlance, warlock is a, a pejorative. Yes, and, and witch is for everybody. Okay. That's kind of, that makes sense to yes. me. Like, that's kind of what I figured. Um, needing some help, Sarah heads back to the shop to go see Lirio, who tells her to invoke the spirit herself. She also reveals that Sarah's mother was a powerful witch, and that her talent has passed on to Sarah. Sarah starts to invoke Manon, but she has a vision of fire and the shop exploding, so she leaves the shop absolutely terrified. She's very scared at this point. She hasn't slept very well. Her friends don't like her anymore. They're haunting her dreams. Yeah. Her, her boyfriend, not boyfriend, is dead. Yeah, some guy that she liked was dead. And she feels responsible, right? Yeah. So I know that Sarah's mom died giving birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hear that at this point. But I rem- like. I remember as a kid thinking that Lirio was actually Sarah's mom. Okay. she. I mean, she definitely steps in as like a maternal figure for her. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's why, because I'm like, why, like, how, how would this woman know that your mom was a powerful witch? Because Lirio is literally a walking encyclopedia of all things pagan and ritualistic. That's true. She, I think she's a lot of like a sounding board for, Yeah. you know, what actual 
things hey, are going she, on. <laughs> she knows what the different colored candles mean. That's important. That is important. You don't want to use the wrong candle candles. for something. Absolutely not. Uh, so Sarah goes home where she's tormented by Nancy, Bonnie, and Rochelle, who taunt her using magic and intimidate her with threats on her life. She gets home. Nobody's there. She's instructed to turn on the TV after answering the phone and talking to Nancy and saying that her family has left. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got on a plane and it's all over the news. Turn on the TV. And turn on the TV to go see that the flight heading back to San Francisco, uh, where they thought Sarah had run away to, had crashed. Mm-hmm. No survivors. Um, and then all of, all of a sudden, a bunch of snakes and worms and shit appear everywhere. And maggots. And maggots and, and beetles and roaches. And beetles. And, there's spiders. Um, all of which were real. Yep. Um, and in fact, the, the, I guess, animal handler said it's the most, like, reptiles and bugs he's ever seen on set for a movie. I also read somewhere that they purposely bred the cockroaches to be infertile, so that if they did, for some reason, escape, they weren't able to that's, procreate and make a more nuisance cockroaches. That's thinking ahead. Which apparently happened in another movie. They, that doesn't I, surprise me. I can't remember what movie it was. I didn't know you could breed cockroaches to be infertile. I had no idea. That's awesome. Um, the three other Coven girls then appear. And after a few seconds of intimidation, Nancy says, Sarah will commit suicide. And this moment is the moment that kind of like put Feruza Balk into my heart <laughs> as a as a teenager. Um, and, I mean, that carried over in through, like, American History X and into The Waterboy. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now with that movie that wasn't that good that came out last year that I watched, but she was in it for a little bit. She was fun in that. So here, listen to a little clip of Nancy uh, pulling out her peak Feruza Balk. Where are my dad and Jenny? I'll be seeing them soon. You're going to kill yourself tonight, my dear. No, I'm not. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Oh, really? Look in your eyes tells me you might not be so sure. After all, you have every reason in the world to do it. I mean, you killed, you killed Chris. And you killed your mom. You killed your mom and you're coming out of her. Now that is really special. Even I couldn't put that low. Corrado! Stop it, please! What's the deal? Why doesn't she use magic on us? Because she's weak! Weak, weak, weak. <laughs> oh, God, you're so disgusting. Now is the end. Let her go in peace. So Nancy slashes Sarah's wrists and a letter uh, with Sarah's handwriting on it saying the reason of her suicide magically appeared, blaming herself for Chris's death and everything that happened to her parents. Sarah runs up to her room while Nancy, Bonnie, and Rochelle wait for her to die. And then uh, Rochelle's had a little bit of a change of heart. Maybe Mm -hmm. this has gone a little too far. Um... Nancy says, fuck that. Fuck you guys. Go upstairs and make sure she's dead. Um, and if you don't, I'm going to slit your fucking throats. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a little over the top <laughs> at this point. She's pulling her boss bitch card out. Yeah. Uh, so Bonnie takes Rochelle up to Sarah's room. Um, and we see 
Sarah is kind of like shuffling towards the middle of the room. She's got her wrists wrapped up, trying mm-hmm. to stay alive. Um, and Sarah throws out a counter spell, forcing uh, Bonnie and Rochelle to see themselves and what they've become by catching their reflections in a mirror. Where we get to see Bonnie's face horribly scarred up, uh, mm-hmm. like the rest of her body was, and she comes off kind of looking like Dark Man. Yeah. And uh, now Rochelle's hair is all fallen out. That's right. Um, it was a really cool scene because you see the two of them standing there and they look totally normal, but you also see the reflection in the mirror mm-hmm. and like everything's falling apart. Um, they see what their spells have become threefold, right? Yeah. Which is really fucking cool. So uh, they freak out and leave, running out of the house, leaving only Nancy there. Uh, Sarah's almost too weak to invoke Manon, but then she hears her mother speaking through an uh, old photograph of her that she mm-hmm. keeps on her dresser, uh, saying, don't be afraid, reach inside yourself, because once again, it was inside you all along. <laughs> um, Sarah successfully invokes Manon and is able to cast spells to fight back, as well as heal the injuries to her wrists. At which point we have the, uh, the final showdown. Nancy and Sarah get into a huge fight. Um, you know, there's flying going around the house. Sideways like, hallways. Yeah, sideways hallways. Dressers. Like, the door blows open. Dressers mm-hmm. slam into walls. Paper Wind. flying everywhere. <laughs> um, which I'm trying to figure out how how you shoot that. They said it. They made the scene sideways. That's what I figured. And then they turned the camera. Because it, it reminds me a lot of what we saw with uh, Christopher Nolan doing Inception. That's where you right. have the rotating camera or the, the, the stable camera and the set rotates around mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, I read today somewhere that they set they created the scene sideways and then turned the camera. Okay. Um, and then started throwing stuff at them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Um, it's a really cool scene. It, it uh, I think, lasts about as long as it needs to. But I think mm. just like everything else in this movie that leans hard into the practical effects, which I think is a really smart choice. Yeah. Um, Sarah eventually binds Nancy's power so she can't do any more harm. And Sarah wins the showdown. Mm. Uh, in the end, Nancy's been sent to a psych hospital. And Bonnie and Rochelle show up in the driveway. We see Sarah and her dad packing, getting ready to leave. Um, I always kind of wondered how long they were in town for because it only seems like a and couple of And why do they months. just decide to leave all of a sudden? Yeah, to change schools. I don't know. You, yeah. just, you just moved to L.A. from San Francisco. Just change schools. Like, where, where are you Wait. going back to San Francisco? Yeah, you didn't like San Francisco either. <laughs> um, I'd be like, can you just pick somewhere, please? Yeah. Um, but the girls show up. Uh, to talk to Sarah, they ask if she also lost her powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tell her, you know, don't be angry with us. Sorry uh, that we tried to kill you. Yeah, sorry we tried to kill you. Got a little out of hand. We didn't, uh, you know, we just wanted you to believe your family had died. It was an illusion. Um, you know, my bad. My B, sorry. Yeah, yeah, my B. Um, and they don't think that she has any more powers left. Yeah, so she she has no interest in being friends with them. They ask if, you know, she wants to come take up... Call the corners. Call the corners Because they don't again. have any power without her. Yeah, and and Nancy's gone, so... Yeah. Like, they're they're down to two of them. So that, you start... There's four corners, and they started with three, and now they're down to two. So it, it's really gone the wrong direction for them. <laughs> um, and, and she says she'll let them know. Or don't, uh, don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. Or why don't you hold your or breath? Or why don't you hold your breath? Um, and 
they turn around and start walking away, and they say she probably doesn't have any powers anyway. Uh, Sarah, of course, overhears this and calls in a giant storm, causing a lightning bolt to take out half the fucking tree in her driveway yep. that lands, like, right next to them. Meanwhile, her dad's like, damn it, now I gotta clean that up. No, yeah. It's like, well, fuck, now I gotta get this out of the way or we can't leave. Now we can't go anywhere. <laughs> um, they stare back at her in shock, and Sarah warns them, be careful, you don't want to end up like Nancy. Mm. And, and what happened to Nancy? So, the final scene in the movie cuts to a bird's eye view of Nancy in a psych room, strapped down to a bed, screaming like a maniac. Telling With the nurse, vicious scars all over her face that are clearly self-inflicted. Yeah. Um, telling the nurse, he gave me powers, I can fly. I'm flying, I'm flying, I'm, I'm flying. flying. Uh, and that's the end of the movie. I remember that scene being very jarring when I watched that as a teenager. Yeah. The movie didn't scare me. I really... The, it ends the on ending, a pretty dark note. And that was supposed to be the original ending of the movie, um... The original cut did not have the conversation with the girls. Oh, really? So it was just supposed to be fighting. After the fight, it would cut to Nancy. Then it would cut right to Nancy um, in the psych hospital. But they decided that that didn't tell enough of what was happening with everyone else. And there was no wrap-up about the parents. Mm. And so they added that in at the end. Okay. And people liked it more. I think it actually works better. Mm-hmm. I do, too. Um, because I, I didn't think about it this way until you had brought it up. About how Sarah's portrayed. Mm-hmm. I've never really thought about that. I know you mentioned it a little earlier about how she's supposed to be like the good witch. Um, but she fucks with Chris's free will. She does. And at the end of this, like she's very much just like flaunting her power. She is. And like threatening people like you fuck with me, you're going to end up in a goddamn psych ward. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, whenever those women, you know, the other, I, I think it could be argued that none of those women had powers until she came around. They were just three kind of goth girls calling corners and nothing happening. Yeah, I knew girls like that all, I still know girls like that. Absolutely. But, you know, when she was around that they finally did get their powers and she kind of got to be the gatekeeper about what they could and could not use their powers for. Yeah. So she kept telling um, Bonnie specifically like, oh, you're acting like a narcissist. You're being a slut fucking a man she said i've been ugly my whole life i've been covered in scars I've from head co- to toe yeah if i want and now i look like nev campbell if i want to wear short skirts and tell people that i like their butts like i don't understand what's so bad about that and even rochelle like her bully was really fucking she tormented Awful. her it wasn't even just like she made her life a living she called hell. her a fucking negroid she didn't let her excel in any of her sports she literally tormented her which i could assume for years of her life and then when she finally got what was coming for her, then Sarah decides that all of a sudden Rochelle's not allowed to have powers either. And then Nancy finally like doesn't want to be fucking white trash anymore. Doesn't want to be abused by her dad. Now she's not allowed to have powers either. She's the only one who got a little bit too power hungry. I mean, she did kill two people. Mm, she didn't really kill her stepdad. I think she just gave him a good scare and he died on his own. It's, okay, so that was hap- circumstance and right. happenstance. All right. She definitely pushed. she mind she mind threw a dude out of a window. Well, he kind of deserved it though. At the same point, he's a fucking rapist. I mean, rapists are awful people, and I'm inclined to say they should all be fired into the mm-hmm. sun. Uh, Harvey Weinstein, perfect sure. example. Yep. Congratulations on your 23 years, you piece of shit. But at the same time, he wasn't in control of his own mind, right? Yeah. Because like, of Sarah. Like, 
Uh, yeah, that's... Damn, that's a good point. Sarah made him into a rapist. Sarah did turn him into a rapist. He was probably always... Harvey Weinstein was already a rapist. Right, he was probably always a piece of shit, but he might not have been a fucking rapist. Yeah, he was... He seems like an average high school douchey... Like, your, your prototypical douchey high school star athlete, like super popular guy mm-hmm. with uh, hpv with hpv <laughs> who ends up going to college to become the exact same thing in college uh-huh uh i would expect that in college is when he becomes the rapist on his own volition absolutely but in Sarah... high school i don't think he was gonna do that I, and i say that knowing that this shit happens in high school all the time but in this particular case, Sarah did turn him into a rapist. Mm-hmm. You are very right on that. The more I watch, when I watch this as an adult. Well, rapist or attempted rapist? Attempted rapist. Okay. But I think he still, yeah, either way, he sexually assaulted her. Yes. Um. I think when I watch this as, a, as an adult, I really was not too fond of Sarah. Yeah, she's. She kind of sucks. And viewed, in a, viewed in an older lens, it's, it's. She's not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's not the good person here. No, and yeah, Nancy shouldn't have thrown that guy out the window. But at the same time, like honestly, and and I'm gonna say this knowing full well that part of it is my love obsession with <laughs> Nev Campbell, but she's probably the like most identifiable character in the mm-hmm. whole movie. Yeah, and she did absolutely nothing wrong. Yeah, she she did literally. She got hot and squeezed the dude's hot. ass. Yeah. Which, sexual assault. Yes. Oh, we, yep. It's it's a bit of an assault. Well, it's true. Feminism says that. Well, she didn't squeeze his butt. I thought she just said that he had a nice butt. Which is well, so I thought not, she squeezed it as they went past. Either way. Either not, way. Not cool. But she she catcalls this dude. Yeah, which is not cool. But. But that's the worst that she did? Th- yeah, that's the worst thing she did in this movie. And then the other, and the hair grows back. Well, that girl's wasn't oh, growing no, back. Yeah, that girl's hair wasn't growing She back. got a nice wig, though. She did get a nice wig. I wonder if she got it from Robin Tooney. And she tried <laughs> to be nice to Rochelle at a party because she realized what a bitch she had been. That's true. She said, like, hey, how's it going? And Rochelle was like, what? Yeah. Well, <laughs> why are you why talking are you, to why me? Why are you talking to me? Why aren't you calling me a Negro? So I guess she kind of got what she deserved and also came around from her lesson. She learned a lesson. Mm-hmm. She did learn a lesson. So Sarah sucks. Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely frame uh nancy as mm-hmm. like the bad witch but we've talked about enough movies regarding possession mm-hmm. that i can probably safely make the argument that what nancy wanted and what nancy got are two different things yes because nancy just didn't want to be poor white trash anymore and she wanted power and she wanted a modicum of power but then her body was then possessed by the spirit of Menon, who is way more than she probably actually bargained for. It's kind of like in Lord of the Rings, where you know where they wanted the ring, but they didn't realize like the full potential of the power of the ring. Yeah, I think that's kind of like what it is. Yeah, so I think like you can. I I'm I'm going to make the argument that I guess in in regards to Sarah being a piece of shit. Nancy's completely lost control, and by the by the time the ending sequence rolls around, um, she's not Nancy anymore. Nancy yeah. is long gone, and what you see in the hospital bed is just like this fractured remnant mm. of who she was mm-hmm. and what she thought she could do. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Damn, Robin Tooney. 
Damn, Robin Tooney. You went from being the hero to the uh-huh. villain real fast. <laughs> yeah, she did. Wow, I never thought about that. That's, that's a good look. Yeah. That's a that, that's a deep read right there. Yeah. I like that one. Uh, what, if you were a high school witch. Okay. Which part of me thinks you might have been. Oh yeah, I've definitely caught the corners <laughs> more than one occasion. What uh, what what powers would you request or spells would you cast? Oh, when I was in high school, oh, probably use all my powers for evil. Not evil, <laughs> but I would probably try a lot of love spells. I probably would have. Done so, it, would like... you have been Sarah? Would you've been yeah. more on the Sarah side of things, or? Mm, I think without an understanding of what what the tendency of, of being a Wiccan are, yes. Yeah. But now as an adult, I was thinking about what kind of spells I would cast and what, this is, I feel like, peak hashtag grown up. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's like spring, new, you know, new seasons, things are growing out with the old and with the new. I think there's also like a an equinox coming up. Yep. I would really like some sort of house cleansing spell. <laughs> To help, like, you know, get all the old... Like a permanent one or just, like, a one-time only? No, I think I would like it to keep around for the season. You know what I mean? Like a a spell kind of to wash out all the old, stagnant, negative energy of the winter and and bring in in the spring. And also to clean my house, hopefully, of of COVID-19. Yeah. (laughs) If it's there. Yeah. But that's what I would do. I would use my spells, you know, to clean my house. Okay. I also like it as a protection spell. Yeah. Protection spells are good. In high school, I definitely identified with Rochelle. Okay. I was uh, I was bullied a lot. Um, so you want some revenge? I, I definitely would have gone the revenge route. Not quite to Nancy's level, but more in mm. line with Rochelle's level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, small, small disfigurements. That's fair. Um, nowadays, as an adult, I would probably, with COVID-19 being what it is and having just gotten over being sick... It would probably still be a very selfish spell. I would want to not ever get sick again. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, I would, I would cast a spell for like. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say eternal health because I'm not trying to live forever. Right. That like, I, I still want like a natural <laughs> lifespan, but mm-hmm. I don't want to like fall prey to like various bacteria and viruses. Okay. So um, like, kind of just banish sickness from yourself. Yeah. I don't know that that spells last forever, so you'd probably have to re-up it every once in a while. I'd be okay with that. Okay. I'd be okay with that. Like, if it was, like, a two-year deal. All right. And then, you know, I'll... I'll, My concern with that is if I don't re-up it in time, the whole, like, comes back to you threefold is, like... Well, if you're not doing anything wrong, so I think one of the most important things about Wiccan is that you're not supposed to, you're pretty much allowed to do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt anyone else. Okay. So if if I'm just doing it for myself. Yeah. You can't cast spells on people without their knowledge. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you're doing it for yourself, for you, as sort of like a, uh, you know. So don't like cast that spell on myself and then immediately go out and just like <laughs> set free every virus in like a, yeah. a bio lab. Right, Just right. be like, ha I'm immune. That, that, then you would get that back. All but right. if you're just kind of looking after you. I would just wake up one day as a giant boil. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. So um, I think, yeah, I think that you could definitely, that's definitely a spell you could do. So it's fun to, it's, it, it's fun to hear because I know you've got more knowledge into like Wicca and mm-hmm. all that stuff than I do. Um, this movie did a really good job actually of uh, 
the writers specifically go into great lengths to accurately portray witchcraft as best as possible in the movie. Um, they had a technical advisor named Pat Devon, mm-hmm. who was a Dianic elder priestess who consulted on the elements used in the movie and modeled them after actual rites. Uh, her official title, which I found, is High Priestess and Public Information Officer of Covenant of the Goddess. So Covenant of the Goddess is one of like the largest uh, churches in the United States. Okay. And it focuses like it's solely on women deities. Okay. Um, in order to respect Wiccan tradition, no real Wiccan spells are used in the film, and Pat made up realistic-sounding spells and incantations. Uh, she told the writers of the film about the idea of binding somebody's powers, which is very important to the movie. Uh, and she also apparently did cast one spell mm-hmm. herself uh, to make this movie number one at the box office, which apparently worked. There you go. Um, she said of filming on the last day of shooting at the beach, one of the actresses asked me to dedicate her to the path of the goddess. We walked up the beach in the dark, away from the lights, to a cove where I dedicated her and presented her to all four quarters. So apparently you can do that by yourself. You can. Um, for her name, she took a name I told her I would have named my daughter had I ever had one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Pat ever did have a daughter. If she did, a little bit greedy. <laughs> Such a burn. Such a burn. A little bit greedy. She's like, if I had a daughter that I actually liked. Yeah. <laughs> um, Something tells me that that's not what Pat meant. Well, she just like had a daughter in the future. Like now she's got to come up with a new name. Oh, a new name. Yeah. Um, Something tells me that Pat was a little bit older. Yeah, that'd be my guess. Uh, if she was an elder in her church, then she was probably. That's fair. Yeah. Maybe in her 40s. People that old can have kids. Yeah. but It's less likely. Less likely. But... Uh, the god the girls invoke is made up. Uh, techn- uh, Pat asked not to use a real deity because she didn't want hordes of teenagers running down to the beach or out to the woods invoking anybody real. <laughs> As we fair. all know is exactly what would happen. It's exactly what did happen. Oh, Except yeah. people were just calling on Manon. And this is before the internet. They couldn't realize that Manon is not a real thing. Yeah. I mean, like we <laughs> saw this shit after... Or I, I think we even talked about it after Hereditary. <laughs> About uh, summoning the fucking demon in that. Uh-huh. Like, this shit happens all the time. So, props to Pat Devin for just, like, that, that foresight of being like, we're making a movie about high school kids, and high school kids are dumb as fuck. Or, like, when everyone went out after Evil Dead to go buy a copy of Necronomicon. Yes. <laughs> uh, Manon did, strangely, later appear in actual texts. Uh, she did extensive extensive research before the movie to ensure there was not already a deity named Manon in existence, uh, but has seen the name appear on lists since the movie came out, because, of course, everybody thought it was real. Mm, that makes um, sense. The god's name does resemble an actual Gaelic god who goes by, I've come across probably a half dozen different names, but they all tend to relate to the same thing, of Mananan. 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 Uh, Mananan is the god of the sea, and invoking his spirit would have made actual sense in the movie, as afterwards we see Nancy walks on water and is offered what this is calling the gift of sea creatures, and what she called it's a gift of just 30 dead sharks. I think if you're going to give me a gift, I'd want it to be alive. Yeah. If it's supposed to be alive. That's true. I found that very jarring. Like, And apparently the director had actually at one point in his life gone to the beach and seen a lot of beach sharks or whales yeah. and it struck him as being very graphic and so he decided to use that i mean the shot works movie. it does the, the shot works that shit's fucking jarring. they're all plastic okay feruza balk 
began practicing Wicca because of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she bought an occult store. Didn't she buy the occult store? The occult, yeah. Uh, it's... I need to find the name it of it. had a name, right? Uh, it was, apparently, it's like one of the oldest um, traditional like witchcraft stores in Los Angeles. And yeah. has been used in like a number of different um, movies, which I did not realize, which I think is pretty cool. I think it's called Pan, Pan Pipes Magical Marketplace. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. One of the oldest occult stores in the United States, not even just in Los Angeles. Although the AV Club has an article, I missed this one earlier. The AV Club has an article that came out in 2017 saying, uh, with the headline, We regret to inform you that Feruza Balk is not and never was a practicing witch. Mm. Um, she probably had interest in the occult. Yeah, and I think that's what it was. She only became interested in witchcraft. Uh, and then. Uh, it was the 90s. While researching the role of Nancy, turning to the encyclopedic knowledge of a clerk at an occult store in Hollywood that was. On the verge of closing and being turned into a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> uh, she said, he was sort of a teacher to me during the craft. I thought, what a shame it's going to be turned into a Chinese restaurant. So I bought it and put some work into it and helped it survive. It was a very long time ago. Um, so the store now called Panpipes Magical Marketplace, uh, which is still open. Um, so I don't know for sure if she was ever practicing or not. But she did own the store. She was super into right. it. Right. Regardless, she had definitely an appreciation for it, it seems like, and didn't want to see a small business go out of go out of business. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And the last little bit that I have is just fun because we see this shit happen in all these movies all the time. Whenever mm-hmm. you're dealing with like strange occult things, strange things tend to happen on set. Mm. Um, I'm not 100% convinced on most of the occult stuff myself. Right. Um. Uh, I know you're more into it than I am. I know Palmer loves himself a good conspiracy theory. Right. But I can't ever tell if Palmer's being serious or not. Isn't it so hard to tell? <laughs> so I don't actually know anything Palmer believes in. Um, I other think Palmer than, believes in nothing. I think the one thing he does believe in at this point that I've just like, and maybe he's just gaslit me so hard that I just believe it, is he, he legitimately believes in Kanye West. Yeah. I think that that's true. Um, but during the invocation scene of the spirit, uh, on the beach, a bunch of weird things happened. Uh, so a colony of bats just <laughs> showed up and hung out on set. Hell yeah. Uh, which is pretty dope. Oh, maybe your spirit animal could be a bat. I do like bats. Bats are pretty dope. And there's so many of them in your backyard. Are there? Yeah. They're up in that tree over there. Oh. Sweet. Bats are pretty fucking cool. Um... The waves rose up and extinguished all the candles used for the scene when Nancy was calling for the spirit. Uh, not once, but twice. Hey. And uh, the set lost power. That's right. When didn't they? When they finally finished the invocation, all the power went off, right? Yeah. Which I'm sure there's a, a you know a logical explanation for that, but yeah, pretty spooky. And then uh, Rachel True said that they were followed by a white owl multiple times while oh. filming this movie. Owls are dope. Owls but are dope. I think I'd go with a bat. Yeah, I can see you as a bat. Bats are cool. They only come out at night. I'm surprised you didn't pick the bat. Oh. Honestly, I I was expecting that. Yeah. Because you've got the the stuff from the oddities shops mm-hmm. of the I just little relate uh, much more. bat skeletons. I just really relate to spiders. I can see that. I feel like they, but we, her and I both make beautiful things. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna. What I said. I said a chipmunk. Right. You said a chipmunk. I'm gonna change that to like a bat. Nuts. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything else. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna change that to a bat. And I think bats get a bad rap. Um, don't don't 
listen to the fucking bullshit crazy things that people are saying about bats and the coronavirus. Oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, if you're going to buy into a theory, buy into the bioweapon that came out of a fucking Chinese lab. But even that shit's bullshit. Um, <laughs> you got anything else for this one? No, I just really appreciated, um, I think when this movie came out. Yeah, what, did, what does this movie mean? Like, this movie... So, I've got two older sisters. Right. And I was, I guess... I was, like, ten when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. And I probably didn't see it until closer to 2000. Okay, yeah. Um, but this... I know this movie meant a lot more to at least one, if not both, of my sisters than it did to me. Because um, I feel like for this... I feel like for a movie like this, it... It's one of those things where it makes a lot more sense if you're a girl. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and it makes a lot more sense if you're a high school girl. And an outcast. And an outcast. Like, yeah. the further down the rabbit hole of dealing with all of these, like, so- social issues that seem uniquely just, like, ahead of its time to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like, nowadays we're inundated with, like, horror movies that talk about these. Like, that is their central tenet is, like, we're going to deal with racism in this. We're going to deal with classism in this one. We're going to deal with rape we're gonna deal with bullying we're gonna deal with all this movie took all of those ideas and somehow managed to in a pretty well done job condense all of that shit into the high school experience it does it seems really organic yeah or it did at the time it still does being very removed from high school at this point so what what does you know teenage high school alex feel about this movie and then what does adult you have a kid now alex feel about this movie so adult Alex now, when her son gets old enough, will absolutely sit him down and watch this movie with him and look him dead in the eye and say, don't you be a Chris Hooker. <laughs> I raised you better than that. Don't you be a skeet hooker. Don't you be a skeet hooker. No, but this movie, I feel like, always resonated really well with me and my oddball friends. And yeah. still to this still to this day, you know, when I buy plants or pick up an occult book, like, it's, you know, it rings in my head. It's also one of the, you know, one of the only movies that I can think of where witches weren't portrayed as these crooked-nosed goblins yeah. or these sort of, like, sex-obsessed like sex Satanists, you know what I mean? It was really just, I think, very true and pure to what actual people who practice witchcraft are. Yeah, I mean, even when Chris calls them witches, he, like, there's no mention of Satan anywhere in this movie. No, not at which all. Which is a very nice change. There's also no Ouija board, which I also like. Yeah, because... Because there's more to, there's more to witchcraft yes. than Ouija boards, and there's literally no Satan in witchcraft, really. Yeah. So I think it's good. Yeah, it's a great movie. Also, apparently, and at some point, I think I might want to try it, but supposedly, you're able to do light as a feather, stiff as a board. Yes. Yes. Have you ever actually tried to do it? Oh, I'm sure you have. I have absolutely. Were you ever successful? No. No, no but I were also. We limped arm 12 year old girls, 13 year old girls. Maybe yeah. now as an adult, we'd be able to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this this movie's got tons of iconic scenes in it that, it does. you know, anybody who grew up in that time, like, remembers pretty vividly, mm-hmm. that being one of them. Um, it's a very good movie. It still, it still holds up. I hadn't seen it in a couple, yeah, I haven't watched this movie in years. couple years, and it still holds up really, really well. Shockingly. There's a couple scenes, like the, um, when Sarah's doing the glamour spell and she changes her hair color 
That looks super fake. But like That's the one time though that you can tell it's a wig. Right. Despite the fact she's wearing one the entire and movie. And it's a green wig. So yeah. they did uh there was a lot of they did a lot of work with green screens in this movie. Yeah. Um and so she was wearing a green wig so that the f- they could change the color from the from fireball the effects look like shit. Yeah. Like anytime you see like there are parts of this movie that like you can easily see the green screen being used. Yeah. And it's a little bit jarring. But there are other times where you do use the green screen where I think they did a really good job. Like when Nancy's walking on the water after she invoked Manal. Yeah. And they kind of, they had her walk on a on a green screen and then just kind of splashed water. I think that looked really good. Yeah. So, some some of the visual parts don't necessarily hold up as well. But, but the, it was 1996. It's 1996. I mean, not a lot of visual things from 1996 would be considered even decent these days. Nope. But the story itself holds pretty true and from my understanding uh hearing of what anybody with kids what their kids are going through in middle school and high school these days mm-hmm. um sounds a lot fucking worse right um i couldn't imagine being a high school kid these days oh, God. Um, absolutely not what are we rating this one out of oh that's a good question um can we give something five corners Yes, I think we can. <laughs> North, south, east, west, and s- southwest. <laughs> south by southwest. <laughs> Rip south by southwest. How how many of those are we giving it? I'm going to give this a 4.25. Okay. That's a, that's a solid score. I'm going to give it a 4. And Palmer's going to give it a 0. <laughs> Palmer does not count. Palmer does not count this week. Ordinarily, we would count what we think his score would be, but Palmer's adamant refusal to watch this movie, um, along with his adamant refusal to watch Mean Girls, he can just, you know... Kick rocks. Kick rocks, yeah. Uh, so that brings it to a 4.125. Right. Which is a solid score for That's this. And I think anybody score. anybody who's actually watched this movie... Yes. ...would probably agree. It's on Netflix if you want to... I was surprised to find it there. I yeah. didn't think this was going to be on Netflix. I actually remember when they put it up there. I was like, yes. Also, didn't know this movie was rated R. Oh, so it wasn't going to... It, he, they was not made to be rated R. No, it was made to be PG-13. Right. They did everything by the book to make it PG-13. But if you have teenage girls apparently practicing witchcraft, that yeah. automatically makes it a rated R movie. What a time. And the director said that if he had known it was going to be rated R, he would have put in a couple more fucks. Right. Which I agree. I feel like Frieza Ball could absolutely oh have said my fuck God. at least. He could have just turned her into the character she was in American History X a few yeah. years later and been totally fine. I'm, I'm interested to, and of course we never will, but it would have been interesting to see what type of movie it would have been um, had he had just made it a rated R. Yeah, if he was just like, well, if you're going to give it an R rating, like right. I'm just going to push it as far as I possibly can. Because there also was very little blood and no nudity. Yeah. There was some nips. When they were, uh, the four of them were walking in slow motion through the hallway, mm. you can literally see all of their nipples under their shirt. But like I said, it was 1996. It was 1996. That's just that kind was of what that happens. you do. Yeah. I mean, was it, who was it in Friends that always had the nips? Rachel. Rachel, yeah. Like, she made an entire <laughs> career off of that. She absolutely did. <laughs> uh, so that's it for this week. Um, let's see. So we're doing... Uh, strong female leads this month for That's women's right. history. Uh, Alex and I have picked at least one of the movies, but we're gonna we're gonna let Palmer pick 
the third as a uh, welcome back. Congratulations, you've got some semblance of your life back. Um, so we'll we'll announce those going forward. Um, everything else is pretty much the usual. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find us online at terrorincognito.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff at terrorincognito. Uh, I can be found at Sam Hebes on Twitter, and Palmer is at Sturmsworth, mm-hmm. and, and Alex is at A Looters, and Amboy, oh, and on, Amboy Insta? on Instagram. Right. Yes. Uh, you can shoot us an email, hate mail, love letters, uh, whatever spells you might want us to cast for you on your behalf at cast at terrorincognito.com. Uh, you can listen to us everywhere. You guys know where we are. Uh, it's been a while since I've had to do this, so I'm trying to remember. I think if that's this is it. Everything. This is everything? All yep. right. We love you guys. Stay safe. Stay clean. Check your buttholes. Wash your hands. And as always, keep it creepy.